0: what's up everybody this is marlin's in-game host mike b and you're listening to fish across the pond marlins uk podcast with peter pratt cheers from the 305
1: Welcome to episode seventy-nine of Fish Across the Pond, to Marlins UK podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt, and joining me today, the fabulous Jess Blaylock from Fox Sports Florida is in the house. Jess, how are we?
0: I love that description, fabulous. I will take that any day. I'm good. It's great to hear your voice again. You know, we were just joking around about how it feels like it's been so long since we were on Zoom calls together. Uh, putting a wrap on the 2020 season for the Marlins. So it is good to hear your voice again. I always love when you ask questions because I love the accent, obviously. So every Zoom call, I was like keeping my fingers crossed that Peter was going to ask a question that day.
1: (laughs) You you knew the slot, right? There was, you know, international (laughs) at the end. Uh, so you you knew where it would come.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was always counting on it at the end. Let's go to the international representatives for the Marlins. So, but it's awesome. You know, that's one thing I, I always am so impressed by, especially when we're doing Twitter Tuesdays for a broadcast. You see people weigh in from, you know, not just around the United States, but from around the world. And uh, I think it's incredible what you've been able to do and the way that you've been able to bring Marlins baseball to the UK with everything you've done with the team. It's,
1: it's incredible. No, I appreciate that, Jess. And listen, secondly, appreciate you joining me. Uh, it's only taken 79 episodes to. Uh, <laughs> to happen, so. um, how, how are you keeping busy though? Baseball finished, you know, a couple of months ago, hockey is in a state of flux, let's say. How are you keep busy with yourself?
0: Yeah, hockey is uh, kind of the same pitcher that we see quite a bit throughout the season. TBD, right? To be determined. I feel like I feel like we uh, a lot of times saw in the pitcher slots TBD, and that's kind of the status of the hockey season as well, still kind of waiting on official word of when the hockey season is going to start and anxiously awaiting that. So really right now, um, I am just taking advantage of having some downtime you know hockey typically runs into baseball baseball runs right back into hockey so I'm usually very busy throughout the course of a year so I'm trying to keep a a glass half full perspective as much as I would love to be working hockey games right now Um, it's nice to be able to have time to spend with my family you know I'm home right now for uh, the Thanksgiving holiday my dad's Birthday is this week, and I'm going to be able to celebrate with him and my family. So, I've been able to see friends. I've been able to see, uh, you know, my brand new baby niece who is almost six months old. And so, I'm really, as much as I wish I was working right now, I'm very thankful to have some time to focus on family, friends, and uh, just getting to take advantage of some downtime, which is typically not something I have throughout the course of a normal year. <laughs>
1: doesn't doesn't sound like it. You were saying you you normally have about 14 hours of, of downtime where the two <laughs> kind of interlink. So, um, you know, not, not not quite the same this year, but what about baseball? Obviously, the Marlins, we'll get to the 2020 year and how it played out, but, you know, the Marlins uh, were eliminated from the postseason, uh, <laughs> which was, you know, it's great to say in some ways and, and not in another, but... Um, did you, what happened then with you with baseball? Do you kind of just shut off or did you continue to watch, you know, the rest of the postseason, the World Series play out?
0: Oh, I continued to watch every game. I mean, I was locked in yeah. uh, for the baseball postseason, especially considering what a unique regular season we had. Um, and, you know, I just, I knew that once the postseason was over, we were going to have to go through that wait again for the season to start. And as crazy as it sounds, as soon as the final pitch of the world series is thrown, the final out is recorded. You know, the final at bat is, is done with, I miss baseball pretty much immediately. Um, and And can't wait for the next season to roll around. So I wanted to soak up every, remaining second of baseball that I could possibly get. But yeah, I'm with you, you know, as, as much as it hurt uh, to see the Braves knock the Marlins out, it was so awesome to say that you got there. Uh, it was awesome to sweep the Cubs in that first round. Um, and it was awesome just to see the progress that this team made this year. I remember Miguel Rojas saying before the team, uh, kicked off the 2020 abbreviated season. It's even though we don't have fans in the stands this year, it's time to show them that we are turning the corner. They deserve to see a good product on the field. And I feel like the Marlins were able to deliver a really fun, really challenging, really unique uh, really satisfying, really gratifying, just really overall awesome season for fans, especially considering everything that the team went through this year to get to
1: where they were. Hundred percent. the The thing that is, it's not a regret, or if that's the right term, but just picture it now: Marlins Park, back end of that that regular season, six to going on a Saturday night. I think he did one night, a Saturday. Marlins Park would have been absolutely jumping you'd assume right and you'd have been right in the thick of it I'm sure of that
0: oh no doubt about it and one of the moments where it really really hit home how different this year was was the last series against the Braves in the regular season where the Braves had taken the first three it was a four game series I think it was the second to last season of the year Uh, They were going to Atlanta, and then then they were finishing the season against the Yankees. And um, that fourth game, Thursday night, Marlins desperately needed a win to hang on to their playoff hopes. And, you know, we were obviously broadcasting the game from Marlins Park like we did every game this season. But I just – I was sitting there in the camera well by myself watching the game on a monitor and just thinking – what this atmosphere would have been like at, you know, in Atlanta, Marlins, Braves, NL East rivalry, playoff hopes on the line for the Marlins. You know, I think the Braves had just locked up their, their playoff spot earlier in the series. Um, and, and just all of the things that would have gone into, into that final week. I, I just missed the atmosphere and 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 what it would have been like to hear fans and the just everything that goes along with what's so great about being at a baseball game, right? Because a baseball game is so much about the the sounds and the sights and the smell and the the crack of the bat and you know I just there's there's so many romantic things about being at a baseball game and and it just it was so. It was really that last week of the season where it really, really hit home how wonderful it would have been with fans Mm -hmm. and in regular circumstances and how different it was without them. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but I, I still say at the end of the day, for as bizarre and weird and unusual this season was. I'm still so grateful that we were able to have a season um, and get some baseball in because it just would have been so devastating to not play at all this year.
1: Yeah, even though it was 60 with an expanded uh, postseason for me, it was it was an awesome. It flew
0: by. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was-, it was awesome, but it flew by, didn't it? I felt like you know when we played game 60. I almost felt like instead of ending the year, we should have been going into the all-star break because that's normally what you would have been leading up to. Um, but I'm with you. Yeah. It, it was, it was awesome. Um, whatever way you look at it, it really, it was
1: awesome. It was, we're going to, we're going to kind of circle back to 2020, the back end of the pods. Um, one, one of the follow-up I got for you, obviously you, you cover both the Marlins and the, the Florida Panthers as well for, for Fox sports, uh, Florida. Um, are you are you a baseball girl first or are you a hockey girl? Or like which way around is it? You know, or is it different, you know, you're a football girl? I don't know.
0: <laughs> it's so funny because I get asked that question quite a bit, you know, which one do you like better, hockey or baseball? And I tell people, I'm not trying to take the easy way out, but they really are one A and one B because they're so different. So there are things about each sport that I love so much. For example, I love how much I get to travel with baseball and how those guys really do become your family because you spend so much time with them. I love the strategy of the game. I love the the chess match between the pitcher and the batter. I love scoring games. I love you know, a good pitcher's duel. I love games where you see monster home runs. There's, there's so many things that I love about baseball. And now that I have a much deeper understanding of the game, I just have a much better appreciation for the game as well. But there's so many things I love about hockey too. I love the speed of hockey. I love how I get to sit right by the ice and get a full appreciation for the skill it takes to play hockey. And some people may think hockey is a boring sport because they look at a score and say, oh, a 2-1 final, a one-nothing final? How is that exciting? But it is exciting because you spend so little time in the neutral zone in hockey. You're always either trying to score the puck, uh trying to defend the puck, and there's just so much action throughout the course of a hockey game. And I, I mean, I love those guys as well. Hockey players are some of the most fun guys to be around. And uh, even though I don't travel as much with the Panthers as I do with the Marlins, I've been with so many of those guys for five plus years now that they have also become like family. They're like my little brothers or my kids. It feels like, you know Um, so there's so many things I love about each sport. So it really is so tough to answer that question because they're, are two sports that if you had asked me while I was in college, will you cover hockey one day? I would have been like, I don't know anything about hockey. I grew up in Florida in North Florida where you don't ever talk about hockey. You don't ever think about hockey. You know, I didn't see snow for the first time till I was 17, 18 years old. What are you talking about this, this sport, hockey? And now it has literally become one of my favorite sports of all time to cover. And the same thing with baseball. I covered uh, college baseball for two years while I was at the University of Florida, but I never, ever would have anticipated that I would have the honor and privilege of covering a major league baseball team. Mm-hmm. And um, covering baseball and covering hockey, it's it's truly... The happiest I've ever been in my career. So I, I never would have guessed that the road would have led to these two sports, but I am so incredibly grateful that it did because I, I've absolutely had the time of my life, uh, getting to cover baseball and hockey.
1: Well, don't worry, I'm not going to press you for an answer. I'm just going to drop in a, <laughs> a, a little known fact. I, I've never declared this on this podcast, so this is a, an exclusive, really. My first um love, let's say, American sports wise, I'm not even sure if you you know it's a Canadian sport, I guess, in many ways, hockey. But um, I actually, when I was like 10, 11, I got into ice hockey um, hugely. Um, and also I actually came over to uh, Florida to the um, the the Disney the the Disney Resort in Orlando the sports complex um, to uh, play roller hockey or inline hockey however you pronounce you know what it, it's called in you know in the states but um, representing Wales the country of Wales I mean came over and played in a tournament so I was like maybe twelve or thirteen came over to to the Orlando Disney Resort and and played roller hockey against various other states and whatever in uh, in the u.s we, we were absolutely terrible compared to them but there you go little known fact uh, that that i was a hockey guy first of all <laughs> um so
0: that's awesome uh which nhl team was the first one that you were passionate about which hockey team did you love first
1: you know what it was and i don't know how this happened but i was a a, a I've got into Philadelphia only because Eric Lindros at the time, I absolutely loved him. Um, I've no idea why, but he was just a big dude and just scored a ton <laughs> of goals. So I got, I got heavily into the the flyers, right? It must've been Philadelphia flyers. So went to them. We also had a trip out to Calgary. So um, we went skiing in Calgary. So I went to watch the flames. Can't remember who they played that day, but um, anyway, so I've got, you know, a bit of a connection. My brother lives in St. Louis, so I've been to see the blues um, once or twice too. Um, so yeah, got some got some hockey connections there.
0: Oh, nice, Calgary. That's the Saddledome, right? The Saddledome is so unique, and Calgary is a beautiful city. I had the chance to go there for the first time this year, this past season with the Panthers, and I thought Calgary was amazing.
1: It was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. I mean, this is like twenty years ago now, or something like that for me. It was, it was a long time ago, but it was awesome. Anyway, we're, we're deviating way off into into hockey, which you know was was always to be expected. <laughs> For the, for the Panthers themselves, um, you know, what's, we don't know what the season's going to look like. We don't know how many games, how long it'll go on for. But, you know, really, how many victory dances, how many shoulder dances are there going to be for, from you for the Panthers this year? Is it going to be more or less than normal?
0: Yeah, I think you're going to see a good number of victory dances. I'm going to have to practice my moves. Maybe that's what I should be focusing on right now. I love the moves that the Florida Panthers made during the off season. Uh, Bill Zito has already been a tremendous addition to the organization. And, you know, when you bring in a guy like Patrick Hornquist is a perfect example, uh, making the trade with the Penguins, you bring in a guy who absolutely hates losing. And I love when you have that passion, you have that veteran leader, you have that guy who's going to help set a tone in the dressing room. Um, so I love, I love the the moves that the Florida Panthers made during the off season. And that is just one of the many reasons that I am anxiously awaiting uh, the start of of this year for hockey because i want to see how all of these moves are going to play out for the panthers because i think it's going to be really really good so yeah i'll have to uh, i have to look up some dance moves on youtube later and uh and uh, you know brush off some of the dust on on those <laughs> on those victory dance moves
1: <laughs> i love it it's um when when hockey season's in there's no baseball it's uh you know your your twitter thread is just littered with uh, with victory dance <laughs> videos which uh it looks a lot of fun so um, I, I
0: like that people enjoy them because i am a terrible dancer i can admit that i have no problem <laughs> admitting i mean my moves are awful so <laughs> For Panther fans to, uh, to, to like the, the victory dance videos as much as they have, it makes me feel very, very good because I look at them and cringe uh, at, uh, at the way the moves come across um, because I just think they are straight up terrible. You can tell I have absolutely no dancing, cheerleading, ballet experience in my life. I played sports as a kid. I did not work on rhythm.
1: <laughs> well they're, they're appreciated so we'll leave it at that i guess <laughs> well on the, thank, on, on the you. thank you the twitter speaks you know twitter will tell you quickly as well if they yes if they like yes something. you know that so. <laughs> yes they will <laughs> um good well you know good luck to the panthers this year i'm, I'm intrigued to uh, to follow them as well i'll be i'll, I'll be following your coverage as well um into the marlins you know really um some some huge off-season news coming out of the out of the Marlins, and it's the uh, the the hiring of Kim Ang as the as the new general manager, which um, which was uh, well, it was described I think in advance of being a left field move by the Marlins. Um, but really digging into it, it, it looks to be just an inspired hire for many many reasons, and we'll get into them in a sec. But you know, firstly, what was what was your initial reaction when the news actually dropped that the Kim Ang was Marlin's GM.
0: I thought it was awesome. I, I couldn't stop smiling, and I think the thing that really struck me about the move, obviously, what it meant for women in mm. the sport of baseball. You know, a historical move, and the pride you take in covering the team. That felt strongly about making that hire, you Mm -hmm. know, felt strongly about putting a woman in that position. Um, but I think the other thing that struck me was the overwhelming praise that it got around major league baseball. And not just because the Marlins were hiring a woman as their GM, but because the Marlins were hiring just someone who deserved that role Mm -hmm. and, Someone who had worked hard and proven herself and put in the time and put in the work and to see how many of her colleagues said, you know, it was overdue for a team to make this hire so not just the pride in in covering the Marlins the team that was the one to say yeah we are going to make this move um but to know that the marlins made the move not just because kim Ng is a woman but because kim Eng is absolutely 100 percent qualified for that job and so i just loved seeing the response from so many so many of her colleagues around major league baseball who just applauded the move who were so happy for her who said what a brilliant move it was. And then just listening to her speak at her introductory press conference was awesome. And, and it gave me goosebumps. And I, if I, I mean, if I'm being completely honest, there were so many times listening to her speak where I got emotional, you know, yeah. I, I started tearing up a little bit. And I think it was just almost overwhelming in a sense to see what this move meant in in so many more ways than just the Marlins hiring a new GM. so uh, to, to to be able to ask her a question, to be able to listen to all of her answers to so many tremendous questions that were asked um, at that press conference and 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 just to to hear about the journey that she's been on and what she's learned and how excited she is for this chapter. And I love the quote about, you know, the pressure moving from one shoulder to the other. And I I, honestly, I think she is going to crush it. I think she's going to be amazing. And I am so excited to just get to know her and, and see the moves that she's going to make and to see, you know, just, just, how she's going to help this team take another step forward in the right direction. I really do. I think it's going to be incredible.
1: Yeah. Me too. I, that press conference, she was awesome. I, I Rockstar.
0: I mean, what, just what, a rockstar.
1: It's just, she was fantastic in that. I, I really knew nothing about her before the hire, if I'm completely honest, um, done some investigation prior to the, the press conference, but then just sat there, just, like you, I sat there actually, well, with my daughter and we watched it together and it was just emotional in, for many ways, just, it was just a huge, huge moment for baseball, for the Marlins, for sports in general, for, for gender equality, just so many kind of wrinkles to it that just a huge hire, but stripping it all away, the Marlins just got an incredible baseball mind there and she's going to absolutely nail it. So Perfect. I mean, and, and the Marlins, you know, they have, they've embraced diversity already up and down the organization. It's not like this is, you know, uh, uh, you know, something that's completely left field for them. Like that's the way they've gone about it. They've, you know, the uh, chief operating officer is also um, a female Caroline, I think, is it um, Caroline? O'Kop? Yes.
0: And she is awesome. Yeah. I mean, you talk about you talk about another woman in this organization that young girls can look up to mm-hmm. uh caroline is a hundred percent a hundred percent one of those one of those women and i believe they have a few women in their own department uh I, they have been very progressive when it comes mm-hmm. to the hires some of the hires that they've made and it's uh it's just been really really cool to see yeah. so kim ang is it, i think you said it perfectly kim ang she's not just another woman for young girls to look up to she is a great baseball mind that the organization has added uh to itself so and just you know you even mentioning watching it with your daughter you know how cool is it that your daughter is looking at this woman in such an incredible position and and the first one to do it in major league baseball. And for you to be able to sit there with your little girl and say, you know what? You could do this too. Look at what she's accomplishing. This is something you could do too, if you wanted to. And uh, some of the most meaningful interactions that I have with fans are when I see little girls at baseball games who come up and say, hi, and want to hold the microphone and want to take a picture. And you never think of yourself as someone who could influence someone else on their journey, you know? And, and so when I have someone who comes up to me and says, oh, my daughter loves watching you, man, I mean, that gets me like that straight up gets me to, to know that if, That there might be a little girl out there watching and saying, hey, I want to do what Jessica does. I want to do what Kelly Sacco does, you know, Mm -hmm. And, and to know how we could possibly influence girls that are growing up loving the sport of baseball and maybe wanting to make a career out of being able to cover the game as well.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I, I get that too. I, I, I start to get emotional when my daughter says she's listened to the podcast. So, you know, uh, <laughs> there you go.
0: That's so, awesome. I love it. I love it.
1: <laughs> she, uh, she, she absolutely loves it. To be fair. She always says, always, oh, you know, is Jess asking a question today? Is Kelly asking questions or whatever? Oh, That's
0: amazing. She loves it. That is so Donnie. cool.
1: Donnie is definitely <laughs> by, by a long way in terms of he's the best. Stories. He is. He's yeah, awesome.
0: I was so happy for him on winning Manager of the Year. I mean, you talk about well deserved. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, Donnie is just—you talk about not just a a, a a quality manager, but a quality human being.
1: Yeah, perfect summary. Absolutely perfect summary on Don Donnie. So yeah, like like you said, just well deserved, but. Um, one, one final question, uh, in, in, in this kind of segment and just to kind of get your take, you, you know, I don't know if you've seen that yourself, but I was intrigued to know your view on, you know, working in sports media, um, the past few years, you know, have, have you kind of directly come up against any, you know, discrimination along the way that you've, you felt or seen in, in your kind of career path to date?
0: Yeah, I think, um... The way that I've always described it is I try really hard not to play the, oh, you know, my job is so much harder because I'm a, a, a woman card. Because mm-hmm. I do believe at the end of the day, if you put in the time, you put in the work, you put in the preparation, you're going to be able to earn trust and respect from the players, the coaches, the managers. The organizations that you cover um and i've been very very lucky in covering the marlins and the panthers they are two teams that have been so good to me so so very good to me um but on the same token there are definitely challenges that women face that men will never have to deal with mm-hmm. um And, uh, you know, I do think for women, it takes a little longer than men to earn that trust and credibility and respect. Uh, you know, when a man walks into a clubhouse or a dressing room or a locker room, people don't question whether he should be there, whether he belongs there. Whereas when a woman walks into a locker room, there may be people wondering why she's there. Um, so I think sometimes it takes a little bit longer for women to earn, uh, to earn trust and respect and credibility. Um, I also think that people are a lot more critical of what women look like on camera than what men look like. Uh, if I'm being completely honest, you know, I've gotten tweets about my makeup and about my clothing selections and I doubt anybody is sending Craig Minervini a tweet about what his eyeliner looks like that night, or if he's wearing too much lipstick or, you, or at least hopefully not. I'm <laughs> hoping Craig has never gotten any tweets like that. Um, but you know, I think, I think people are a little bit more forgiving of yeah. men's imperfections. Whereas when a woman makes a mistake, people feel the need to point it out. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I think there are certainly things that I think you deal with more of a critique, more of an overall critique of your work mm-hmm. uh, than men do. But again, I, I've been very, very lucky in the sense that I've had teams that have been really, really good to me. And I always give credit when I can to Marlins fans and Panther fans who have been so overwhelmingly Kind and supportive and generous and just just so welcoming. You know, when I first came down to South Florida, so very welcoming of me, and so I um I, I never take that for granted. I never take that for granted. Just all of the nice positive comments that I've either read on social media or just from people coming up to me at the ballpark or at the BB&T center um all all of all of the positive comments all of the kind words mean so much to me and, and I'm very grateful for them
1: love it well I'm I'm going to message Craig Minavini after this pod anyway and just <laughs> his lipstick selections just to- tell
0: him tell him to stop wearing so much makeup on camera come on Craig <laughs>
1: He doesn't need it either. I've seen him. I've seen him. him He's
0: the best. Natural. Oh man. man. Yeah, Yeah. no, he is. He is the best. I'm, I'm super lucky the people that I get to work with um, on our broadcast crew for both hockey and baseball. I mean, we really, you know, we, especially baseball, it's a long season. It is a long season and you have to have fun. You know, you just, you have to have fun or it's going to it's going to make a long season feel that much longer. And I really think for both hockey and baseball, we really try to have fun and I I always hope that comes across in our broadcasts.
1: 100%. I mean, that was the next question I had lined up, really was, you know, how how much fun is it covering the Marlins with this crew, the Fox Sports crew because they look it looks a lot of fun. <laughs> it really does. Yeah,
0: and and I do I feel I feel very lucky that my Co workers are not just co workers, but they genuinely have become friends. Mm -hmm. You know, they they are genuinely people that, you know, I hang out with outside of work. Um, That I, you know, when we're out on the road, we will all hang out together. We'll all spend time together. You know, it's not just at the ballpark, you go home and you decompress from any of these people you work with. Like, that's not the case at all. I mean, you know from from Paul and Todd and Craig and JP and Gabby and Nelly and Tommy and you know Kelly uh and and then in hockey you know Goldie and Randy and Jovo and Chick and and we just were so and Katie Gauze, you know who's a new addition this year we we're just so lucky to have wonderful groups of people that we all get to not only work together, but we, we really are, you know, we really all get along so well uh, behind the scenes too. And I, I think that's what I love so much. One of my favorite things with Paul is all of the random Seinfeld lines. He'll drop into the broadcast and, you know, there are so many times like in a game, Paul and I text back and forth. Like I may have just wrapped up a story and thrown it back to him. And he makes some funny comment. And then five minutes later, we're texting about what we were joking about on air. You know, it's just, it's that kind of interaction, And it, it makes it just a lot of fun. It really does. So I, I genuinely love, love, love the people that I get to work with.
1: There was definitely some uh, a thread ongoing between you and Paul throughout the season, linked to scoring. <laughs> In particular, there was constantly it was ribbing you for, I don't know, your scorecard was homemade, I think, right? It was a homemade scorecard. Yeah. <laughs> was like, what is this? What is this play lock? Like? I'm not happy with this. So.
0: I, I think there was actually a broadcast. I think Kelly was sideline reporting for it. So I had it. Uh, I had the game off that night, but I was still scoring at home. I was still watching and scoring at home. And Paul, you know, ran through a play and was like, and if you're scoring at home, And I'm talking to you, Jessica Blaylock. And so I ended up texting a picture of my scorecard to the broadcast. Uh, They put it up on the screen, you know, so even when we're not there together, we're still interacting with each other in a way. So, but I love it. I love it, you know, and and that's what, that's what makes covering these two sports so much fun too. It's, it's not just the teams. It's not just the fans. It's the people that I get to work with as well.
1: Yeah. And you know, how, How weird is it this year? How weird was it for you? Sorry, looking back, you know, you're stationed there in an empty Marlins Park. No jokes, anyone, now any of the listeners. But, you know, you're stationed there in an empty Marlins Park down like third baseline in your own little, you know, broadcast area, let's say. No fans. Like, it it must just be a weird feeling for you sat there in an empty Marlins Park, right?
0: Well, it really is because one of my favorite things about being at the ballpark is seeing the fans you know walking around and and people waving or people coming up and wanting to talk for a few minutes about how the team is doing and players and you know things that are going on and and I always love that like I I am never ever bothered by fans coming up and wanting to chat and wanting to say hi and um you know taking time out of their game day experience to come and say something nice or say hi and I think it's great. So that that was definitely tough was just especially when the team was on the road. You know because at least when the team is at home you're watching the game on the field and it feels slightly normal because you're there for a live ball game. But when the team is on the road and you literally are You know, it's you, your camera guy, and maybe on occasion your audio guy coming to check and see how everything's going. But it's you two in an empty ballpark because Paul and Todd are up in the booth. Mm -hmm. Craig and whoever is doing the pregame show is on the desk, and you're sitting in a section basically by yourself. So um it, it was weird, you know, and I, it, it just made me realize all over again, how much I love the fans and how much I missed getting to interact with them this season in person. You know, they were obviously still great on social media, but you just, you miss that face-to-face interaction, you know, yeah. it's so, yeah, it was definitely, it was definitely unique, uh, just hanging out in a ballpark, essentially what felt like by yourself.
1: Yeah. I mean, when you, when it would show, you know, it'd be the lights pretty much dimmed down in Marlins park when they were on the road, like you said, and there'd just be this, you know, spotlight of you in a random couple of seats and, you know, broadcasting away from there. (laughs) Yeah. I felt
0: felt like home alone. I was like, you know, I, there's no supervision of me right now. Like, should I go run around the main concourse? Like, should I go, you know, It, it just, it did. It felt like home alone. Like I'm in, south florida and everybody else is on the road
1: so (laughs) crazy but you know when when the fans are there and you've mentioned it you get a lot of guys and fans kids everyone coming up uh, coming up to you wanting to engage talk take a picture whatever whatever goes on but could you think of you know a funniest moment perhaps you know whether you're live on the air or you know in and around the fans but some kind of moment or two that 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 kind of comes to mind when you think funniest?
0: I think funniest moments maybe involving players. There, Oh gosh, there's been so many. <laughs> um, we were in St. Louis and wherever we had been before that, maybe Philadelphia, maybe, actually maybe it was Atlanta. There were like two or three foul balls that almost hit me. So game one, St. Louis last season, I was standing in the camera well and and where I hang out in St. Louis, like I'm literally right in the dugout with the team. So I was standing in front of the camera about to do my story and Curtis Granderson, Sandy Alcantara and Brian Holiday, and maybe Yadiel Rivera as well, all came over and started putting Brian Holiday's catcher's gear on me and i mean i'm talking about all of it like all of it like the helmet uh you know the pad that goes over your chest like everything and so when i came on camera i was all decked out in catching equipment um that was probably one of my one of my favorite interactions from that season Um, you know, there was another time, this was back when like Justin Bohr was on the team. I was about to do a post-game interview and Justin Bohr went to throw his gum into the garbage can. And it, I don't know what was going on with his aim that day, but it literally like bounced off of my head and we got it on camera. So we came back to the post-game show with literally like Justin Bohr throwing his gum and it bouncing off of my forehead, you know? Like, there's just always funny things that happen. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any interactions that are funny interviewing fans.
1: you had any as well from fans that have gone sideways quickly too, you know, where um, um, they've had a few too many beers or the language is not quite right?
0: Well, luckily, okay, there is actually a funny story uh, with fans in DC, but it was, I. so I was out, we were, at nationals park, I was actually out in the outfield because I think I was about to do a story on Bryce Harper. So I was kind of trying to stand behind him in the outfield. And during the break, there were these fans, these nationals fans that were right behind me. And I guess they were being funny and like waving and standing up behind me. And I turned around because my producer was like, if they keep doing that, we can't put you on camera. Like just to be on the safe side. So I turned around and I must've had either like my hardcore, I'm not even a mom yet. Like I have two dogs, but I don't have any kids. But I mean, like I must've put on my best mom voice. And I was like, if you two don't stop doing this, you're not gonna be on camera. So you can either sit there and stay calm and let me do my story or nobody's going on camera. And then, so I end up doing my story and my producer gets on afterwards and he's like cracking up and he's like, you should have seen the guys. They were sitting behind you with their hands folded, like staring straight out. Like they were not doing anything. They looked like they didn't want to get in trouble. Love and um, I like normally, you know, it doesn't bother me. Like if fans are waving in the background or, but when it, gets to be distracting of doing the story then like sometimes it just gets a little frustrating and so i think at that point i i had maybe just reached my breaking point and it was like sit still or you're not gonna be on camera and uh so oh. that was that was maybe uh one that ended up turning out funny even though maybe in the moment i was a little frustrated <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, uh, you can see how those incidents can happen where, uh, you know, a few beers on board and the cameras around and people acting. Oh, like,
0: yeah. You know,
1: that's. It, it yeah. Them. And as long
0: as it's all in good fun, like I said, yeah. like, as long as it's all in good fun, it's, it's when people start doing inappropriate, you know, things. And you're just like, seriously, dude, I'm just trying to do my job. <laughs> and I don't come to your place of employment and act like an idiot. So let me do my job and and we'll be cool. And you know what? You're probably gonna get on camera anyways because you're sitting right behind me. So just be normal. Like don't don't be a weirdo. Just be normal, and we'll all have fun together.
1: <laughs> there you go. What about what about the on? You know, I mean, even your profile pic on uh, on Twitter is um, you know a post game on field interview going on. How much did you miss them this year? Because you know. Oh
0: man, I mean, that's the toughest thing. Is just you know you're with i've been with several of these players for multiple years now so like i said earlier you know these players they become like your family and like i think that picture that you're referencing it's sandy after he threw uh one of his complete game shutouts uh i think it was it wasn't obviously this past year but it was the year before and i I was so proud of Sandy, you know, like, honestly, I felt like a proud mom. Like you see these guys make progress and you see them take steps in the right direction. And I think at that point, that was the second half of the season where Sandy had really, really started taking ownership of just being dominant on the mound. And you can just tell by my, you know, the smile on my face, like the guys are dumping the Gatorade cooler on him. Like, and it's just, you, at least for me, I feel like those moments to be a part of them are such a privilege. You know, I, I always tell people, it's not my right to cover a professional sports team. It's, it's a privilege to get to do that. You know, it's an honor to be on the field. It's an honor and a privilege to be in the clubhouse. Um, and so I always try and treat moments as if they are a privilege, not a right. So just to be on the field uh, to to be so proud of Sandy and his performance that day, you know, to be so proud of, you know, this year a perfect example, Lewis Brinson, you know, to see the progress that he made and to know how hard he works and what a great attitude he always has, and and you know, to put up with. And show a lot of grace uh, in 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 putting up with some of the things that have been said about him um, in a negative fashion, and um, to know that he just kept getting out there and working at it, and and to see those results. Like I literally wanted to be able to go into the clubhouse and run up to Lewis and give him a huge hug, and you know you can't do stuff like that right now, and so it's it's hard because. Um, it's, it is, it's like being separated from your family and only getting to talk to them through a computer screen. And so I, yeah, I, I definitely miss hundred percent. I miss those face-to-face interactions. You know, I miss walking into the clubhouse and joking around with guys and, um, giving them high fives after a good game and, and, you know, just, just everything that kind of goes along with being the privilege of being a part of this team and in some small way you know by getting to to cover them for fox sports florida so yeah i i miss it for sure
1: do you have to go in at the start of the season and kind of give them the riot act and go guys listen when i'm on <laughs> when i'm giving these interviews and the gatorade has come in or the custard pie or whatever no gatorade and custard pie on me please do you have to give it to them <laughs> Miggy- no well
0: <laughs> well what's so funny is like i think I think of all the Gatorade showers and all of the pies in the face, I've only gotten it maybe once or twice. Like they are really good about typically only getting, uh, whoever, you know, we're interviewing that night. Um, so I think the one time I actually really, really got a lot of the shaving cream pie in the face, uh, was when Christian Yelich, uh, took a glob off of his arm and literally, like put it all over my face in the middle of an interview. But I mean, that stuff never makes me mad. Like I, the way I look at it, a guy would only do that. You know, a player would only do that if they were comfortable with you. So if guys are, they, if they feel like they can include me in a post-game celebration, to me, I, I am just really grateful for that because it means they're comfortable with me and it means they feel like I'm, part of it you yeah. know so yeah like I, I mean it would never bother me but I will say they are very they're very very good about focusing the vast majority of the shaving cream pie or the Gatorade bath on the player that they're getting
1: that's <laughs> good well I, I, I thought it was because you'd given them the you know the preseason warning guys listen <laughs> with your aim, but maybe maybe it's just a given we don't get yes. yeah yeah <laughs> um is there ever you know and there's, I know there's been tons of them. Is there any, you know, post-game interview in particular? You've already mentioned the one there with Sandy, but is there, is there one that stands out like legendary for you or anything like, I mean, there's so many, it's probably hard.
0: Yeah. There's, there's been so many good ones. Um, one in particular that I, that I really loved uh, was with Miguel Rojas. Uh, it was in New York, and his wife and his son Aaron were there. And Aaron was able to come onto the field and climb in Miggy's lap while we yeah. were doing the interview. So I essentially got to interview both Miggy and Aaron. And it was just really cool because yes. those guys make so much, you know, they make so many sacrifices throughout the course of the season. And one of the primary sacrifices is a significant amount of time away from their family. So just for Miggy to be able to share that, you know, to share that moment with Aaron was awesome. Um, you know, one of the, probably one of the, my favorite players, one of my favorite players, hands down, that I've had the chance to work with, with the Marlins uh, is Martin Prado. So I believe we were in Cleveland last year, when Prado hit a milestone, um, so get to, to get to interview him after, you know, an accomplishment, and you see how much it means to him, and and just how how much he appreciated being able to play this game. Yeah. So yeah, like any 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 interview with a player uh, after they get to make their debut, or after they hit a milestone, or you know, anything like that, there, there's just been so many, I mean, I could literally just go down the list and probably name a hundred, but again, yeah. just even saying that makes me realize how lucky I am that in some small way, you get to be a part, you know, you get to be a part of that moment.
1: Yeah. yeah. Who was, who were the guys, you know, a lot of, you mentioned it, you know, uh, <laughs> there was a lot of rookies, a lot of debuts going on this year. Oh yeah. All high oh, by yeah. Zoom though. Right. So all yeah. <laughs> of these new personalities that you were kind of engaging with on zoom calls and whatever, who, who are the guys that you uh, enjoyed hearing from, or like talking with most uh, of, of, you know, particularly the new guys for me, just to kind of throw it in there for me, I absolutely love Monte Harrison time on, on zoom. <laughs> you know, yeah.
0: Yeah. Monte Monte is great. Just because you see the, just the pure confidence, you know, the pure, confidence that he exudes mm-hmm. um and and he always yeah he always had a, a great bite or two brandon kinsler was oh. awesome like brandon kinsler had some of the greatest quotes after after games okay. greatest quotes um, his whole press conference after the marlins swept the cubs was just epic um, francisco cervelli was Francisco Cervelli is one of those players that it pains me that I never really got to interact with him in person. Um, All of his zoom conferences were fantastic and he's hilarious and he is so full of life and energy. And Jesus Aguilar was like that as well. Jesus was always so funny, but it's players like that, that you wish, you could be around in the clubhouse all the time, right? To see not just how they are on a Zoom call, not just how they are during a game, but just to see them interact with their teammates, you know, because it's just such a, they're just such a joy to be around. So those were, Jesus and and Francisco Cervelli, those were probably the two players and of course Kinsler, that I wish I could have really been around in the clubhouse this season to just not only interact with them on a reporter athlete basis but just on a you guys are hilarious and super cool and i enjoy being around you kind of basis as well
1: absolutely i think one of my favorite and and there wasn't much coming out like locker room type stuff coming out and in terms of um twitter or whatever but one of the early ones Pretty sure it was in that first series back in, in Baltimore. Um, and it was Aguilar and Jonathan VR dancing away in the clubhouse after. And um, that was one of my favorite moments, actually, that that dance. Just Aguilar's showing the moves, VR showing the moves. It was it was a cool, cool moment. I'm sure there was loads of them. but
0: Oh, I think, uh, yeah. And I think my favorite, that's a good one, but I think my favorite Jesus Aguilar moment I want to say it was Marlins versus nationals and I believe it was an Adam Eaton at bat and they like just got him at first base and Jesus made a super athletic play and Adam Eaton almost couldn't believe that he was out and Jesus just kept going. Yeah, you're out like shaking his head and like making the motion for you're out, you're out like, you know, pointing him to the dugout and and I just I'm those. Those moments are fantastic, you know? Um, so that was probably, and then, of course, just the ridiculous play that Jesus made in that extra innings game against the Yankees. Uh, that that one wasn't even, you know, funny personality. That was just a straight-up ridiculous defensive play. So... Where did he come
1: um, from? Where did he I come know, from? we're
0: all like, what? Like, where, where was Jesus? Like, where... It, it, he just, like, slides out of nowhere and makes this spectacular diving catch, and we're all like, I had no idea Jesus could even do that. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, that was one of the top defensive plays of the season, and I love even more that it was Jesus Aguilar that made it.
1: Me too. He had the moves. He had the speed for that one. For <laughs> sure. Just Maybe those... I
0: should ask Jesus for some tips on dance moves for my Panthers victory dances.
1: There we go. There we go. We're, we're making – we're joining the dots here now, so <laughs> – <laughs> I, asked, I asked Paul Severino this when we spoke a few weeks back um, you know how difficult it is for him you know he's literally play by play for this year 60 but other years 162 but he then has to pretty much hand over the keys to the car to the national broadcasters and, and, and whatever and how tough that is for him to, to do and I guess what about yourself where you know all of a sudden you're with the team postseason rolls along and you know it, it kind of the dynamic changes a bit right I don't know did you watch it at home? oh
0: for sure yeah for sure um I I had no postseason assignments for Marlins baseball unfortunately yeah. Yeah. um and yeah I mean you you understand you know you get it 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 kind of just is what it is but yeah it's it's definitely hard and especially going from last season you know losing over a hundred games to this season, just the excitement and and how much fun it was. You want to keep going on, you know, you want to keep being able to cover games and you want to be in Chicago with the team and you want to be in the clubhouse. And I think maybe if circumstances were a little bit different this year, there, who knows, maybe there could have even been an opportunity to go to Chicago and, and done something, but Obviously, uh, we were not only dictated by the way things kind of change for postseason coverage, but, you know, we were dictated by COVID restrictions and and all of the things that kind of went along with that as well. But it's definitely hard because you feel like you are, you know, you're the one that's there almost every day. Mm. The good, the bad, the pretty, the ugly, the... The ups, the downs, the highs, the lows, the ebb and flow of a season, and then all of a sudden it's like, "All right, we got it from here," you know. And and so it's like, okay, I, I again, I understand, uh, I passing off the torch, but it's definitely, it's, it's just hard to go from like, this is your life every day yeah. to yeah. now you're just watching from home.
1: Yeah. So. Exactly, I can. I can feel that and a lot of the feedback you get from the fans from any team pretty much is, you know, I wish we had our everyday broadcasters doing it. We wish we had our you know, for us, Fox Sports, Florida crew doing it um, is the vibe. I mean, the national guys, you know, it's tough for them. They don't, you know, they don't follow the team, you know, particularly like a Marlins. They're really not going to be living and breathing the Marlins that much through the year. And all of a sudden, right. you know, I, I, I get it though, that I know Boog Shombi obviously did the Marlins game, marlins cubs game obviously you know boog's got a history with the marlins too so he made that maybe helped but even so he's not going to be closely watching the team throughout and so it's hard for him to get up to speed with you know some of the the finer details i guess but
0: i thought chipper jo- i'll give chipper jones a lot of credit i thought he did a really nice job um in that in that marlins, um Cub series yeah. because it was chipper right with with boog um and, and you could tell you could really tell chipper prepared mm-hmm. you know like he knew he knew a lot of of good information about the marlins and i i thought he gave really fair analysis and you know obviously he was very complimentary of sandy and um and and the pitching staff and just like some of the the guys that have made progress with the team some of the new acquisitions so I thought I thought Chipper did a really I thought Chipper did a really nice job really nice job uh stepping in as analyst for that series between the Marlins and the Cubs
1: yeah me me too and just from a fan's perspective um you got to sit at home watch the Marlins sweep the Cubs in the (laughs) wild I mean Oh, boy, for the Marlins, the 2020 Marlins and everything they went through to get into the postseason firstly and sweep a series to get through, for me, it's insane. I was looking back and watching the NFL last night and and the Denver Broncos, who were, I think, unfortunate to have to play that game they had to play last night. But really, it showed.
0: With a a converted running back, a converted running back into a quarterback because they had lost not only – starter backup second backup practice squad QB (laughs) they had to uh they had to make some some hardcore adjustments including making a running back their quarterback so yeah it's it's crazy some of the some of the things that some teams have gone through with just everything that's going on you know in our world right now
1: absolutely but to see those 18 guys all go down with COVID and the Marlins just come out and just keep winning games for me it is it's just insane it should have not it should have never have happened the marlin should have been you know 15 and 45 or something the year or whatever but wasn't to be and they they were just an incredible story to cover to watch and you know sitting there watching that series um you know listen i went into the Braves series thinking anything can happen because truly it could have. anything could have happened but you know the braves were a class above the Marlins i think it was pretty clear which was to be expected but how how would you try you know final summary of the 2020 season <laughs> when you look back on it what will you what will you remember
0: i think i will remember that despite all of the hardships it was magical mm. and it was really fun to be a part of and I think I'm going to look back on it with just a sense of being grateful for it. You know, knowing that there were so many times where we felt like, Hey, we may not have a season this year. Um, That every time I drove down to the ballpark, I was just excited to be there that day, you know? So I think I will look back and just be really, really grateful that even though it was different and bizarre and presented you know, a unique set of challenges and no real personal face-to-face interactions and things like that, um, I'm just going to be super grateful that I, I had a chance to be a part of it.
1: Yeah, love it. Great summary. And listen, final one before we let you go, looking ahead to 2021, we're unclear right now, I guess, what the season will look like. Everyone's hoping, praying for 162 and whatever. But, you know, whatever the season looks like, what are the expectation levels now for the Marlins, having been to the postseason, won a series? Um, what should we expect for 21?
0: I think the expectation should be another step forward in this process. Uh, I think the most exciting thing to think about is the fact that there is still so much talent in the minor league system that we have even yet to see make it to the big leagues yet. Um, And, you know, that's not just on the pitching side, that's for position players too. Uh, Obviously it hurt to lose out on a minor league season this year, especially for a team like the Marlins. But I think the exciting thing is you continue to see players who are on the big league level, make progress, get better, continue to grow, uh, continue to develop, and to just know that there is still talent waiting in the wings. Um, And I'm excited to see, there's the the puppy finally weighing in. Um, Lemon, Lemon's just trying to weigh in on what she thinks you should look out for in 2021. Um, But yeah, I just, I, I think it's, you, you are finally starting to see the plan that this new ownership group, Derek Jeter and company, what they said they wanted to do, it's, it's coming to fruition, you know, and I think you're just going to continue to see this team take steps in the right direction, make progress and continue to get better and better.
1: I think that sounds fair how much has it changed since Derek and um, Bruce Sherman have come in like how how much has it changed around the ball club
0: I think Brian Anderson said it best you know when describing this season and I'm sure you were on that zoom call and probably remember when Andy said you know when we take the field we don't hope to win we expect to win And I think that that is kind of the mentality that has really started to sink in with these players, especially this season. You know, I, I think, I think they understood that there were going to be some hardships to go through. Um, but they went through them. They got better for it. Uh, the, the organization has invested so many resources into building a healthy, sustainable, Organization, you know, a a team that can repetitively be successful, not a team that just goes for it in one year and then they're gonna have to pay the price for it the next year because they've burned prospects or, you know, whatever it may be. This is this is a mentality of sustainable success, long-term health of the organization. And I think that's why you can be excited just for each year that is going to continue to come because it is all about sustainability and success year in and year out. So I can't wait to see how the team is going to build on what they did this year.
1: Oh, it's going to be exciting. i tell you that. That's uh,
0: well,
1: well well summarized. Perfect summary. Um, I think we are just about out of time. I think Lemon is telling us (laughs) <laughs> Lemon,
0: yeah, Lemon's uh, saying wrap it, up,
1: wrap it up. up, she's
0: playing the music, you know, when your speech goes too long at an award ceremony, and they start playing the music to let you know, you should probably uh, go ahead and finish it, finish it up, mm-hmm. Lemon's uh, back there with her hand on <laughs> uh, on, on the, the CD player getting ready to cue the music, if people <laughs> even need CD players anymore, I don't even know, I'm totally dating myself by referencing a CD player,
1: we'll, we'll gloss over that, we won't, uh, we won't <laughs> I won't expose your age to the listeners. No worries. The um, well, fabulous Jessica Blaylock. It was awesome to to talk and to have you on. I appreciate you so much and taking the time. Um, hopefully we will see each other again, you know, once we get into, uh, into kind of spring, whatever that may look like. And we see each other again on a Marlin Zoom. Fingers crossed for me that they Fingers can.
0: Fingers crossed about. for sure. <laughs>
1: um. Brilliant, Jess. Appreciate it. Um, To the listeners, that is episode 79 in the books. And we will be back next week. Guest TBD, of course.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Who's pitching tomorrow? TBD, the most popular pitcher from the 2020 baseball season.
1: Exactly. TBD. Jess, thanks so much.
0: Thank you.